Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're glad to have you tonight from wherever you're downloading. This is Saturday evening, 10-21-2023. We're going to talk tonight about a topic that I find very intriguing. It's called the God of a Changed Mind. That's going to be our topic tonight, the God of a Changed Mind. Now again, I want to welcome you from wherever you're listening in the United States or around the world. I pray that we are blessing you and your ministry. I pray that the Word of God uplifts you and encourages you. Love to hear from you. Springston56 at gmail.com, MikeSpringstonMinistries.com, FFCMA.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Recently, we've heard uh, from some people uh, in Pakistan, and uh, they've shared their story with us, and we are very glad to be able to hear from them and share with them. Pray that God continues to do miracles in their ministry and on their behalf. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll go into the God of a changed mind. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God says, and then, Father, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Father, we give you glory, and we ask that Jesus would speak, and that he would reveal through the Holy Ghost what we need to know, what we need to do, and what we need to demonstrate. Father, what we need to understand. And as He reveals it, we will receive it and release it to Your people. And Your people will be transformed and given greater understanding into the kingdom of Your dear Son. We praise You now for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our High Priest, our Lord, and our Man in the Godhead. Amen and Amen. The God of a changed mind. Well, based on our modern doctrine concerning the Holy Spirit and things such as healing, the question begs to be asked, what else has God changed His mind about? In today's doctrinal positions, we see a major transition materializing right before our eyes. Evidently, God has changed his mind on many of his directives and biblical principles. And he's failed to communicate that to a whole lot of people. He's decided that he must rectify his position concerning his handling of Sodom and Gomorrah. He has determined that he was wrong and has decided that in fact, homosexuality, uh, it's acceptable. This has come through many church leaders and has been established as fact in many churches. We see this, however, 
only being identified by parts of some organizations. Therefore, we say that God has failed to communicate appropriately the things of which he's changed his mind. Well, this lack of spiritual discernment by the other half has created a division. And in most instances, a separation of affiliation. So this leaves us to wonder, if God is this wishy-washy with his principles and directives, what else has he changed his mind about? Well, obviously, he's changed his mind on healing. This change must also be include must also include the power that was supposed to be in the blood. Evidently, uh, that's not an operating anymore. So undoubtedly, God has determined that the blood is no longer operating in the heavenly economy as it once was. That places not only healing in jeopardy, but virtually all of the works that we once associated with the finished work of Jesus. Since God has changed his mind on healing, he's also altered his words to Jesus himself. He's had to rescind his title of Lord and take back the exalted name that was at one time over all three domains. You see, for without his lordship, there is no means to be healed so what Jesus told us in Mark 16 concerning his name, well, God has just changed his mind on that as well. Then we come to the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We've been told for some time that the promise that was given by the Father is not for our day. God has changed his method of operation and is no longer ministering to the people in, in and through divine revelation. We're told that the only means of communication is the Bible. So all that Jesus told us concerning his desire to manifest himself to us, well, it was just a misunderstanding. It was simply a failure to communicate what God was trying to say. So we're totally absent of any means to communicate with the heavenly realm according to those who believe that God has changed his mind. We have no way to know what God is doing. We have no way to know what he's thinking. Or what we need to be aware of concerning the enemies and their actions. Well, since he has so changed, then we're no longer held to any standard of holiness or righteousness. God has changed his mind on that also. He's opened the door of grace, and it will cover any and all of our issues. So what else has God changed his mind on? Well, you know, he could very well change his mind on grace and on love. Could he change the idea of grace and make grace an act 
that is completely different than what we perceived grace to be? Well, those who see God as a changeable entity are convinced of only one thing. Well, two things, grace and love. That is the idea that in their understanding of grace, they got that part right. Well, I'll ask the question, are you sure? Could God determine that grace is a divine means for only a few? Elect? Foreknowledge? Predestined? Could God say that He has determined that the grace dispensation is over? And oh well, <laughs> He just hasn't bothered to tell all of us at this time. How about this love thing? Has God changed His mind concerning love? Is it possible that He looks at man and says, What in the world is there about man that's worth loving? I have Jesus back in his original position. I have heaven in place. I have enough angels. They want to know what I see in man. Those angels want to know what I see in man anyway. So let's just move on. Let's forget the entire experiment. Where's another possible change? God determines that since Jesus worked, is no longer necessary because he has repented of the attempt to redeem man, that the tabernacle and the work there that was done there is no longer needed. So he eliminates the tabernacle from the heavenly domain. What if he decides that all the work that Jesus did to redeem man is no longer valid in heaven? And even though the man who is in the Godhead bodily bears the scars of victory, God decides to annul his work. Well, if God can change his mind on anything and things and biblical things and things that we can read in Scripture and things that we can clearly follow in Scripture and we from our intellect can determine what it is he's changed his mind on, what stops him from changing his mind on the rest of the promises that are in Christ Jesus. Oh, I, I, I know that answer. It's our intellect. It's what we say. It's what we've determined. It's what we have picked and chosen and cherry-picked this very few scripture to say what it is we want it to say so that it will meet what it is we want it to meet so that we can preach a doctrine that exposes and expresses half-truths of God's Word. Now, for instance, he could decide to do to the gates of heaven what he did to those outside the ark in Noah's day. Well, he could just decide to shut the door. Now, as I write this, I see what I'm saying, and I know what you are saying. And you're saying to me, this is the most preposterous thing I've ever heard. Well, let me tell you something that is equally preposterous. It's that our church world will allow preachers and teachers to teach us concerning the selective mind changes that God has already seemed to complete. 
These selective mind changes are those that weaken the believer and leave him extremely vulnerable to the attack of the devil. I'm certain that's the reason Jesus died. They further make the believer become detached from the family of God. In their view, we are set off to the side in the heavenly economy with just a book to read. We're stranded on this big ball with nothing more than a book to help us navigate our way from birth to and through death. We're made to believe that a God who formed the universe, designed the great plan of salvation, has changed his mind about ever desiring to interact with his people. This is done even though throughout the entire word of God, he's been active and engaging with all of his people. He has shared himself and showed himself to his people for all generations. But for some reason, we chose to believe that God would withdraw from this day. We chose to believe that in the day that we are told is the last days that God has determined to shut himself behind the curtain of the eternal economy and stand fast to watch how we absorb the days of evil. Well, my friend, that is a preposterous assertion and an ignorant assumption. God was clear with his teaching throughout uh, Jesus' life and ministry concerning how he would interject himself into our day-to-day life. He was clear that he would speak and reveal himself to us by and through his spirit. He was clear that he was a God who did not change and that he had a son that was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now we in our church world or some in our church world, or some of the larger denominations in our church world have chosen a gospel that is a half-truth. Now Jesus said these words to the Jews, and I want you to hear them. Matthew 12, 24-28. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Jesus was doing miracles and casting out devils in the midst of the Jews. But a sect of the Jews called Pharisees spoke against his work. Now notice, all that Jesus did, he did based upon what his father said or what his father did. Further, all of his miracles were accomplished by the Holy Spirit. So they said he was operating and casting out the demonic by the demonic. In other words, they were calling the work of the Holy Spirit demonic. What a statement. Of course, it makes no sense whenever we think about this as to why one demon would want to disengage another demon. But of course... The Pharisees were using twisted thinking. Verse 25. 
Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. I want you to hear that. Every kingdom divided shall not stand. Every city and every house divided against itself shall not stand. Jesus, knowing in the Spirit what they were thinking, brought out the obvious. A kingdom that is divided, such as where a demoniac, a demon, would operate in opposition to another demon, well, that can't be because that can't stand. Jesus is saying to them, what you're saying about me absolutely makes no sense. The devil does not evict his own and set people in their right mind. He's not a demon of light. He's a demon of darkness. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So Satan will not work against himself. Now right here, we have a real problem to contend with. Because our doctrines teach that God has changed his mind. He's no longer doing in the spirit world what he once did. He's no longer operating through the spirit. He's operating through some works that the spirit does. But he is not operating the communicative voice of Jesus Christ to lead and command through the Holy Spirit. And he is not operating in the evidence of of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He's not doing that anymore. We have determined that we are saying to the Holy Spirit that you are not of God if you do that. Now, we also equate the operation of the Spirit in any and all forms in our modern day doctrine as an act of the demonic. So when the doctrine is preached in the ears of those who hear it, or it is a tenet of the belief system of those who espouse this belief, they're establishing that the Holy Spirit is of demonic origin. Why? Because in their view, there can be no works of the Spirit in our day, such as the gifts of the Spirit, which have as their evidence speaking in tongues, and that is because God shut the door on this spiritual activity. So when they speak against the activity, they're doing precisely what the Pharisees were doing. And they are attempting to use the Scripture to establish their position. You see how they have a divided kingdom? And Jesus said, I didn't. He said, you'll not be able to stand. Now this could not be a big problem. It would not be a big problem, except we must hear what Jesus says in the following verses concerning those who do such things as determine that the work of the Holy Spirit of which I might tell you Jesus controls and of whom I must tell you is operating directly from the instruction of Jesus Christ. 
of which I might tell you that the act and the means and the mechanisms were the means and the mechanisms that God allowed Jesus to operate in when he sent the promise of the Father to the people. So now we're going to hear why this is such a problem. Jesus said, Am I my Beelzebub cast out devils? By whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Now, what devils are you casting out of people? What devils are you casting out of people whenever you are preaching a gospel that the Holy Ghost doesn't work? Well, when people get saved, my friend, the demonic world is shaken. And we're casting out devils. We are putting the devil out of people every time we lead someone to Christ. So who is doing that? Well, you would say, well, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is simply replicating an action completed by Jesus Christ. That's where you have missed this thing. The Holy Ghost is not operating on his own. He's not doing it as under any means other than the means that Jesus Christ has told him to operate. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Now Jesus makes a clear statement here that the Jews in general ignored. If the work that I do is done by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. They didn't hear it, they didn't see it, and they didn't desire it. Here's the problem. The kingdom of God has in fact come. And the one who was doing these miracles was the one who brought it. So when he enters into your life, a new kingdom is set up. In that kingdom there is the operation of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Out of that kingdom, a man must find the mechanism for communication so that Jesus Christ can lead you and guide you into all truth. The mechanism that he determined, not I, he determined that would come to bear was the mechanism of the Holy Spirit. So, when it came to how he operated and from where he was operating, Jesus told us, I am operating from the Spirit. Now we live in a world that's standing in large proportion in the exact condition that the Jews were in. And they do it gladly with a smile on their face as if they know something that others don't know. They see no spiritual harm in their doctrine. I guess that reading has not been essential except reading after those who have taken their intellect to redesign the Word of God and to cause God to be less than truthful. Changes mind. They're satisfied to do the things that the Pharisees, Sadducees, and 
Essenes were doing. They had a religious style, and that style was all they supposed they needed. Now watch verse 30. He that is not with me is against me. How was Jesus operating? Well, he told us. He was operating in the Spirit of God. Listen to the Scripture. If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Now he comes down here and says, He that's not with me, with me where? In the operation of the Spirit of God that is operating in the kingdom of God. So when he came to operating, and from where he was operating, Jesus said, I am operating in the Spirit. If you're not with me, you're in fact against me. If you're not gathering by the means and mechanisms that I'm using, then you're against me. What a statement. In my view, the lines are clearly drawn by Jesus. You're scattering. You're not gathering. You're scattering. Why? Because you are dividing a kingdom. Verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. You can do most anything, Jesus said, and I'll forgive you. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're in position from which there is no return. So every time that this doctrine is preached and taught concerning the succession of the gifts of the Spirit, no matter how reasonable it may sound, blasphemy is pouring out of the mouth. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus Christ is the one who set forth the operation of the Spirit, how it would operate, and the Father promised that He would send it. Now, if you're teaching a changing God, then I want you to, to, to bear in mind He could change about a whole lot of other things too. But we're not teaching a changing God. We're teaching a God that is consistent and a God that we can have confidence in and a God that we can have absolute hope and faith that what He has said, He will do. So with our doctrine of this issue brought countless thousands of people to be damned. Have those who espouse the belief that the work of Jesus did not include the operation of the Holy Spirit all the way through to the promise, to the promise, I said, of the Father? Is it possible that this action, these actions of Jesus Christ, where He would speak and lead His people, having been not taught, learned, or understood, have placed many, countless thousands, in the potential of being condemned by the words of Jesus. Someone would say, my pastor, we believe in the Spirit, and we believe He dwells in us. So we don't deny His existence. We just do not believe that we need to speak in tongues 
and operated the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. So what is your teaching on these issues? That the Holy Spirit's presence in this manner has passed away with the apostles? Then you espouse the concept that God has a changeable mind. You believe that God has arbitrarily determined to deal with the church in this age differently than at any time in history. Of course, you say, well, we have the Bible. Oh, yes, we do. Did you ever consider when the written word of God was first produced? The writings of this book go back to 40 A.D. and written between 40 A.D. to 110 A.D. The content of Scripture is not new. Maybe the compilation of the writings into one binder has some sense of newness as it was first produced in 440 A.D. And the first datable Bible was in 1454. So in the meantime, we've had many experiences with the Holy Spirit speaking for Jesus and engaging men in His work and ministry. So this message is not new to our era, nor is it new to our church. Those who have espoused such beliefs seem to think that the Bible as a book is new to our church. Friend, it is not. So every time the Holy Spirit is taught, preached, and accepted for just the indwelling works, there is a denial of His office and His role. He is the one who replicates the plan of salvation established from the actions of Jesus Christ that began in the cross to the actions we see in Acts chapter 2. Now, from that we know that He is not only in you, but He is on you, and He is also upon you. Father, I thank You for the first part of this teaching. May we open our eyes to truth. May this teaching cause us to take firm reflection on who you are, understanding that you are God and you do not change. And this is your church of which Jesus is the head. And it was Jesus whom you allowed to release the promise of the Father into and upon the church. Open our eyes, God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now in my second session on this, I'm going to take you into Ephesians chapter 2. And there, once and for all, we're going to solve the question on the reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and his operation in the church today. May God richly bless you is my prayer. Until we speak again, find Him as Lord, and every knee in your life will bow. Find Him as the man in the Godhead, however, and He'll lead you and guide you, show you things to come, tell you what to speak, and you truly will be more than an overcomer. May God bless you until we speak again.